a reading from the book of Exodus. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, on the alien or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, let's begin with a word of prayer. Would you pray with and for me? Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. We continue in our series we're calling Don't Just Survive, Thrive. And as we do, and as I survey the room, I see that we have a number of yes people in the room. I don't mean people that butter me up. We don't tend to have any of those people in this congregation. I mean, we have a lot of folks here who say yes. Who say yes. Now, pastors love people who say yes. Once a year, about every fall, pretty soon actually, the nominations team, which the pastor chairs in our tradition, comes together and starts to think about next year's committees and ministry teams and church leadership. And one of the first questions we ask when we consider leaders for the following year is, who will say yes? Now, thank goodness that's not the only question we ask. I am really grateful to serve this church. It's remarkably full of strong leaders, strong people in leadership, and that's one of the main reasons, with God's help, that Decatur First has come so far in recent years and continues to grow. One of the things we look for when we bring on new leaders is spiritual maturity. There's a number of ways you can sort of measure that. We ask questions like, are they tithing or growing, growing towards tithing? Do they come to worship weekly? Do they lead in their Sunday school class or small group? Do they serve the church with humility? That sort of thing. Increasingly, though, as the person who chairs the nominations committee for the church, I am looking for people who know how to say no. Now, maybe that sounds strange to you, that I want to find people who know how to say no when I'm calling them, asking them to say yes. And to be clear, if and when I call or someone from the church calls, we hope you will say yes. But if you don't also know how to say no, you're going to end up being a terrible leader. You will find yourself pulled in so many different directions that you may end up feeling spiritually drawn and quartered. I know this to be true because my name is Dalton and I am a recovering yes person. Nobody likes to say no. 
especially when it's going to disappoint people. And I didn't get in the ministry to disappoint people. You didn't come to church to disappoint people. So for a good while, when somebody came to me and asked me for something, or to do something, or to serve on a board or a committee or a task force, I would say, sure, yes. I was particularly bad about this at the beginning of my career because not only did I not want to disappoint other people, I wanted to shine. Those of us with professional lives know that one of the best ways to climb that career ladder is to get your name out there, to be seen as somebody who says yes, who takes every opportunity that comes your way so that you can be a capital V, very, capital I, important, capital P person. Now, we're going to get to the scripture in just a second, I promise. But can I just say that some of the most miserable people I know are VIPs? I don't mean they're bad people. I just mean they're unhappy, unfulfilled, never able to settle down for two seconds to appreciate life because they are busy flitting from one meeting to the next. And I get it. There are seasons in which it feels like I am so busy that I barely have time to breathe. But at the end of the day, you know what you call somebody who is too busy to breathe? A corpse is what you call that person. You know, it's funny, as I look to Scripture for guidance, some parts of Scripture just kind of seem foreign. They're so far in the past that it's hard to make them relevant. Like I read the bit in Genesis about how many cubits long Noah's ark was supposed to be. That's not going to help you very much in your daily walk. I don't even really know what a cubit is. I read stories like Samuel sleeping in the temple and it just feels weird. Even some of the story of Jesus feels like it came from another time because, of course, it did. But I got to tell you, as I read this scripture in the book of Exodus, as I hear this command, this commandment from God to take Sabbath every week, to rest, to sometimes say no to things so that I can say yes to other things, I got to tell you that if God showed up before the end of the service and gave us this commandment, it would be as relevant as if God showed up to give us guidelines for how to tweet. Here is what the commandment says. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. It's as relevant now as it was when it was first inscribed upon stone. And sure, the commandment's about God, about the need for us to pause and worship God, about us needing to remember our own place in the universe, but it's a commandment that's also about us, about me and you. Because I can't think of a command that those of us in the modern world, and if I might meddle for a moment, those of us in Decatur, need more than the commandment to stop and rest and be. I also can't think of a more difficult commandment. 
I mean, I figured out most of the commandments. Like, I do pretty well on the tests. There's ten of them, and I do all right. I figured out mostly how to stay honest in my life. I figured out mostly how to honor my father and my mother, despite the fact that I have to remind my mom twice a week that I am not, in fact, ever moving back to Memphis. I figured out how to stay faithful to my marriage vows, despite the many distractions that try to pull me away from them. But taking intentional time away, saying no to some things so that I can say yes to the things that matter, especially saying no to good opportunities, that's something I struggle with. I suspect I'm not the only person in the room that fits that description. It takes intentional effort to be able to say no. It took me intentional effort to be able to say no without losing sleep about all the people I was disappointing, all the work that I wasn't getting done. Therapy helps. Having a spouse that regularly reminds me that I am an idiot helps. I've come to the conclusion in my own life that saying no is actually about ego more than it's about anything else. Because in order to say no to things, you got to get to a place where you can believe that the world is going to go on without you. And we all believe it in theory, but you got to come to believe it and practice as well. And this is where faith comes in. The practice of saying no to some things so that you can say yes to others isn't just a practical piece of life advice. It is a deeply theological thing, a spiritual issue. We call it around here, the staff has come to call this the holy no. The holy no. Because if you're going to say no to some things so that you can say yes to others, you got to get to a place where you remember that you can't actually save yourself and you weren't designed to do that anyhow. You don't have to save yourself. The work of saving has already been done. As Christians, we believe that there is nothing that you can do. You can't work hard enough for God to save you. God's already saved you. We believe in salvation by faith. It's a gift, not something you earn. It's given to, to you because of who you are, not because of what you do. And remembering that fact helps me say no to some things so I can say yes to others. Now, I'm just recently, in the last few years, at a place in my own life where I've started to be able to rebuild my involvement in the community because I've figured out how to regulate my yeses and my noes. Some of you know that I serve on the board of Decatur Cooperative Ministry, our mission partner here in Decatur that works to ensure that no one in Decatur or in DeKalb County has to be homeless. I just joined the board in January. It's important work. It's an extension of my call as a Christian. But I understood as I was asked to serve on this board for a number of years that until I made the effort to be more intentional with the things I say yes to, there was no way I was going to be any good to that organization. It takes work to be able to say no to some things so that you can say yes to others. Now this all sounds nice but it's much more difficult in practice. Some people find practicing the holy no especially difficult because it means that other people may look down on you 
That's not easy. We want people to like us. It's human. We don't want to disappoint people. And when we say no, it can be tough. Other people struggle with the holy no because doing so means that you will miss out on some opportunities. And I get that too. I like people to think of me as well-rounded, as cosmopolitan, somebody who has a wide range, uh, array of, of experiences, somebody who takes life by the horns and doesn't let an experience go by. But the longer I've been a human, the more I have come to realize that nothing is free. Every experience requires time and energy. And if you take every opportunity that comes along, you are going to find your soul a mile wide and an inch deep. If you cannot properly invest in your priorities, you will end up miserable. But I will tell you where I find the holy no especially difficult. It is with my children. Now, I don't mean to tell you that I struggle to tell my children no. I'm really good at that. Just this morning, I said no to candy for breakfast, to wearing a Halloween costume to church, and to putting the dog in the dishwasher just to see what would happen. <laughs> that may be the word I tell my kids more than any other. What I mean is that there are opportunities that have come up for my children that I've had to say no to. Good opportunities. And of all the ways in which we have to make decisions about our children's lives, there are few dynamics more forceful than the advice, the poor advice, I will add, that says you have to give your child every opportunity. Here's the thing, there are too many. There are too many opportunities that may well come across for your children than you can reasonably take. And so it is if you spend your weekends from the time your kids are little until they go to college trying to build their resumes to get them into college, you're going to find that when it comes time for them to apply for school, one of two things will happen. You will either discover that in your child you have created a robot with a good resume, or you will find that you have created a resentful ball of anxiety, and either way, they will have come by it honestly. They won't have had time to breathe, let alone be involved in in children's ministry and in youth ministry here at the church, when the first crisis comes along, they will have no spiritual muscles to flex. Their whole lives will have been about accomplishing, not living. And so it is that I don't think that it's an accident that this commandment says to us, keep the Sabbath day holy, but also tells us to do it for our children. This is what Sabbath is about. It's about living, about being, about saying no to the things that drag you along and leave you feeling run ragged, even if many of these things are good. 
It's about having the kind of time that you just sort of meander through. And there's a subtle joy in that. What's more, being able to sit, being able to revel a bit in God's good creation is a necessary part of being a spiritually mature person. If you want to sow the seeds of robust faith in yourself or in your children or in your family, you got to get to a place where you can at times just be. That's harder than you might imagine. You have to do what the writer Brene Brown calls doing the work. Doing the work means you got to become comfortable with the person that God has created you to be. To let your mind just sort of slow a little bit. To deal with the emotional realities of your life. To settle down. To stop for a bit and just be. I wish there were a clear formula for this beyond wise judgment and prayer and being intentional with your time. To the extent there is a formula, it involves leaving a full seventh of your time free for God to show up and surprise you. And if this feels like a real heavy lift, please know you are in good company. In fact, I suspect that this commandment about Sabbath is the one that has been broken the most throughout history. But the plain, the plain truth is this. If you want to have time in your life to say yes to the things that matter, yes to family, yes to service, yes to spiritual nourishment, yes to growth, Yes, to taking an active role in the good world that God created for you to steward. Yes, to church. Yes, to God. You're going to have to learn how to say no. In the name of the Creator and the Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen.